Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Great to see you as you're seated. Turn to somebody somewhat near you and say, I'm glad that you're approximately six feet away. Do that, would you? Glad you're here. Nah, some of you are close, right? Families are close. Glad you're here this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to invite you to turn to the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, Malachi chapter 4, as we finish up a series called Dear Abba. We began it back on Mother's Day, and Father's Day is going to be our conclusion today. I heard a story a few weeks ago of a young lady who was out walking on the beach, and as she was walking, she noticed something was kind of glimmering as it stuck out of the sand. She picks it up, looks like an old lamp. She begins to rub it to get the dirt off of it. Poof, a genie appears. This obviously is a true story. And uh, as she sees the genie, the genie says, oh, thank you so much. You have freed me from my prison. I am going to grant you one wish. She said, one wish. I never had a genie before, but I always thought it was supposed to be three wishes. What's with the one wish? He said, well, unemployment's a little high, and we've got some COVID stuff we're dealing with, and stock market's down. I'm going to just give you one. I think that'll be sufficient. She goes, man, one wish. And she pulls out a map of the world and goes to the Middle East, takes a marker, circles the Middle East, and says, this area of the world has been so troubled. It seems like they constantly are having war and turmoil and there's uh, just uh, people don't like each other and I'm tempted to ask for peace in the Middle East, but man, I only got one wish. But I look around the world, the whole world's got problems and there's crisis and I'm, I'm gonna, world peace. I am gonna pray, or pray, I'm going to ask for world peace. That's my one request. The genie looks at her and goes, oh, come on, lady. World peace. I mean, you got to be in the realm of possibility. I mean, come on, you're going to have to make another request and somehow make it something that I could possibly do. She goes, well, you know, I've been looking for the right guy. And, um, you know, I want a guy that's good looking, but I, I don't want him to be so good looking that he's arrogant, you know. I want him to be fit, but I don't want him to be all muscle bound and everything. I want him tall, but not so tall that makes me look too small. And, and I really want a guy who is just, I want a romantic. I want a guy who loves to communicate and talk and talk about dreams and hopes and really would enjoy that. I, I want a guy who loves family, wants to be with the kids all the time. And I want somebody who actually enjoys cooking, somebody who's really good at cooking and, and actually enjoys housework and somebody who's gonna kinda care for the house. I'm really looking for the guy who's not that much into sports other than he watches occasionally, but not really into hobbies and doesn't watch a lot of TV. I mean, I want a guy who's gonna give his attention to me. I, I guess what I'm looking for is kinda the, the perfect guy. Jeannie looks at her for a moment and says, let me see that map again. <laughs> oh, I thought that was funny. It was funny in two of the four services. 
<laughs> hey, if you have your Bibles with you, would you turn to Malachi chapter four? Guys, sometimes we feel like, right, we can't ever be perfect. And I think sometimes when you hear Father's Day messages, you think, man, you're setting such a high standard of perfection. There's no way I could ever live up to it today. And I've had guys over the years say, hey, why is it that on Mother's Day, you, you know, women are beautiful and they're incredible and we celebrate moms, but dads, we come on Father's Day and we get beat up. So today what I want to do is make sure, dads, you do not feel beat up at all. I want you to know that I love you and I want to champion you and I want to encourage you today. And ladies, if you'll do me a favor, please, don't. I am really going to focus toward men, men today. I'm going to do it because I think you're going to be encouraged, all of you, as we see the role that God has for, for dads and for men in this whole thing of impacting other lives for Jesus Christ. Now, now if you go into Malachi chapter 4, Malachi chapter 4, Malachi is a unique book. So last book of the Old Testament, um, it really is about promises. Uh, God's promises to us and broken promises that were made toward God. And, and so he talks about giving our best to the Lord and how the Israelites really hadn't given their best to the Lord and how the leadership had kind of failed and hadn't kept their promises to be righteous and holy and, and how marriages had broken down because of lost promises and we hadn't kept the vows. And then he challenges guys and says, hey, husbands, you need to, especially, you need to treat your wives in the right way. And then he talks about giving and how if we honor God with our tithe, that God knows how to keep his promises and honor us. And then he comes to the end of the book of Malachi, and he actually begins to talk about future promises, which is the Lord is going to bring about a conclusion on the day of the Lord. And it's interesting, and I'm not going to take time to read it to you, but I would encourage you to read those first four or five verses because what he is doing is helping us to understand. If you've ever heard of the great and terrible day of the Lord, for, for those who are not followers of the Lord, it, it's really a bad time. But for those who are followers of the Lord, who revere his name, as he says, you are going to, you are going to shine. And it's going to be an incredible time. So the reason I say that is for those that are followers of the Lord, believers in Jesus Christ, the end times should never be a fearful thing. It is always intended to be encouraging because God knows how to keep his promises to his people. It's an incredible truth. Then you come down to verse four, and here's what it says, Malachi chapter four, verse four. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and the laws that I gave him at Horeb in all of Israel. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the, that the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers or else I will come and strike the land with a curse." Now, I'm going to be honest, I've heard that verse before. I have a buddy who prays it quite often. It never occurred to me it's the very last verse of the Old Testament. There is going to be a 400-year break between Malachi and the first book of the New Testament, which was written by Mark, uh, the Gospel of Mark. It's a 400-year gap. Why in the world would God take the very last words of the Old Testament 
to talk about fathers and their children and children toward their fathers. Why in the world? He seems to infer in this passage that as we approach the end days, that there is going to be a prophet in the land, an Elijah-type figure. He is going to be an agent of spiritual reform and change. The inference is that there is going to be a tremendous awakening and turning to the Lord in those end troublesome days, and it's going to begin in the family. And by the way, if it doesn't happen, then God is not going to bring that blessing. And as I looked at it, it challenged me because, I mean, you could probably say that he's challenging dads to pay attention to the family, certainly in that patriarchal society. Maybe men had kind of ignored their family. Maybe he's telling guys, hey, you need to quit ignoring your families. Um, you probably could be dealing with a little bit of abuse there because in the New Testament deals a lot with how dads not to be harsh and not to mistreat. Even in the book of Malachi, there's a little of a of an inference there that guys kind of were filled with violence. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's you need to put down old uh, hurts and wounds and maybe, maybe dads have had hurts toward their kids and kids toward their dads and they need to put those aside. But what I really saw is how God was elevating and encouraging and championing men to pick up what God has called them to. Guys, can I tell you, you are unique. Now, ladies, you are unique. You are made in the image of God just as men are made in the image of God. And by the way, I happen to believe that we both bring a little different aspect of who God is. That when God created us, I think women are the keepers and the holders and the illustrators of part of the character of God. And I think guys, they hold a kind of a uniqueness on that as well. But I want to share with you today why, why there is something powerful about the father, the daddy heart. Number one, dads, can I encourage you? You are the unique image of the heavenly father to your family. God, for some reason, has chosen to show himself and reveal himself as a father figure. He calls himself father. In fact, when Jesus talks about his heavenly father, John chapter 14, what does he say? He says, uh, do not let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God, trust also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. In fact, there's even an inference in that passage. Jesus says that when you see me, you're seeing the father. When you see the father, you're seeing me. He always talks about God as the Father. Uh, when Jesus teaches us to pray, he says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Matthew chapter 7, he says, If you, fathers, although you may be wicked, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more so does our heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask over and over? In fact, Jesus, I love it when he comes before the Father and he says, Abba. It's the word for daddy in the Arabic. Daddy, father. For some reason, God, and I don't know how it happened. I don't know if that's just who God is within the Godhead and therefore he, he created humanity and he created Adam and, and the image of that is fatherhood or if God designed fatherhood to emulate who it is. I don't know how that all worked. Here's what I know, that when you have an accurate, good picture uh, representation of your heavenly father and your earthly father, it makes it easier for you to serve a heavenly father. And some of you know what it's like 
to be raised in a house where either dad was absent or maybe you did not have a good father figure. And I got to tell you guys, over the years, I have watched over and over how that people struggle that have had that kind of an influence in their life. They've had a hard time coming before God the Father. It's very simple. You are the image, whether you like it or not, by the way, positive or negative, you are the first image of God the Father that your family has. I have a grandson named Jackson. I only have one grandchild at this time. However, there's another one on the way, so I'm pretty excited about that, hopefully by this time next year. And uh, he loves his papa. I am papa. And he loves Papa, and he wants to hug Papa, and he and Tammy can't stand it. And I love it. It's awesome. She does FaceTime with Calvin and Jackson, and, and Jackson, as soon as he sees her, he'll go, Papa, Papa. And that isn't the symbol for loser. It is the sign for Grandpa. I don't know exactly what it is. I just know he does this. They taught him sign language. So every time, and then Tammy will say, no, 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 not Papa, Gigi. That's grandma. And, and Gigi, and he goes, Papa, Papa, Papa. They were up at the house a couple of weeks ago, and, and we were excited to have him up here. And Calvin came, came up for a, a couple of days. And uh, I always call him my little monkey, and I walked into the house, and Tammy was in there playing with him. And she's so good. She's always high energy and all that stuff. And I come and I go, hey, my monkey, how you doing? He goes, Papa, Papa, no, no, Gigi, I, Papa, Papa. And he wants to be with me. He wants to go on the quad with Papa. He wants to, no blades going, but real slow, really safe for all you OSHA people. We're on the, we're on the mower. He likes to go really slow on the mower. He loves his Papa. And I figured out why. Because he loves his daddy. Calvin is a great daddy. And when you are watching on Facebook or FaceTime, they're taking a, 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 Calvin sits outside the tub and Jackson's taking a, a bath. He will come over and he's all wet and naked and he just, he comes over to his dad and just, boom, he just slops on him and he goes, my, he didn't say my, he just goes, dad, 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 dad. He loves being with his dad and about a month ago, I said to Calvin, I said, Calvin, I just want to tell you what a great dad you are. And I know you're a great dad because Jackson is not afraid of me one bit. He doesn't fear his papa because he's got a daddy who loves him. Guys, when we do this thing in our families, when we show the image of Christ in our families, it is a unique help to help them understand the heavenly father. And it's unique. And you, you have this power whether you like it or not. I'm not going to take that. It doesn't matter. You're going to by virtue. Number two, you have a unique impact on your family. There is something, what is it? Ephesians chapter five, verse one says, as dearly loved children then, let us be imitators of God. 
The, the inference in that passage is, is that when you're loved by someone, you want to be like them. Now, mom and dad, this is the way it is, right? If we love our kids, they, they want to be like us. It's just natural. But there is something about the affirmation, the encouragement, the, the, the comfort that comes from a dad. Moms have a uniqueness. It's unique. It is incredible. Man, if I'm hurt and I'm, I still in this day, man, if I don't feel good, I still want my mom to come see me. That's just kind of it, you know. But, but dads, there is something about the affirmation that comes from you. I've often said to Tammy, I said, man, Tammy, I don't get it. What is it the, you know, why is this and this? And she goes, Phil, there is something about the affirmation of dad. They don't care what I think. They, they, they want you to be excited for them and they want you to be pleased with them. There's something in them that wants that. And I think it's just something unique about what God has called us to be. I love what the word of God says. First Thessalonians chapter two, Paul says, we dealt with you as a father deals with his children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of the Lord. Psalm 103 says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. Over and over in scripture, you're going to have a unique impact. I want to show you a video this morning, and you might call this the Jackson Sermon because I am going to use a video of Jackson, but I want you to understand what's going on before we watch it. My son Calvin leads worship at a, a church down in Indiana. Um, they were like we were, where they had to do almost everything online or live stream, and uh, then when they re-engaged uh, about a month ago, um, there wasn't anything really for Jackson, so Cal or Kyla and Jackson would stay home and they would watch the service on TV. And I want you to watch Jackson as he watches his dad lead worship. Let's see it. Can you turn that up, please? I think he's got his papa's voice. I think that's what it is, right? Now he doesn't know, he doesn't know the words yet. He doesn't know how to play the guitar yet. He just knows that the guy he loves and wants to be like is on there. He's standing there on something that looks like a, a stand and he's putting his mouth up there and he's singing to the Lord and he's playing his guitar. And there is something about someone who is loved that wants to be like the one who loves them. Dads, let me give you one last encouragement. You are not just unique representation of the Heavenly Father. You don't just have a unique impact. You have a unique spiritual role in the life of your family. Like it or not. And you might be sitting here today saying, I'm not. No, I'm not going to be the spiritual head of my family. Then you know what? You just did. You will have the impact and you will translate to your kids what is important. 
And you, it doesn't matter. You don't have to want this mantle. You've got this mantle. We don't like to hear sometimes that God has called men to be the, the head of the family spiritually. That means you're to embrace the spiritual leadership. And he even uses this idea that just as God the Father is the head of Christ, right? There's not an equality issue, they're equal. But he says, so Christ is the head of the church just as the husband is the head spiritually in the home. He says, I want you to embrace it. Take the lead, dads. You have a spiritual role and you need to embrace that role. I wanna invite a few guys to come up on stage this morning. Pastor Dan, Pastor Ryan, and Pastor Brian. Come on up here, gentlemen. Would you welcome them as they come on the stage here? And we have been doing this all weekend. I've had different guys up here, and I specifically chose some of the guys on staff. Our ladies are wonderful, and they have uh, great stories as well. But I kind of wanted to see the, the impact. These are guys that over the years, I've talked to them a little bit, a little bit about their families. And, and I wanted you to hear a little bit about the spiritual impact of their dad. So Pastor Brian, we're gonna start with you, and maybe just talk to us, share with us a little bit about the spiritual impact of your dad in your life and maybe an illustration of that. Yes, um, hello, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me no? Now? There I am. Um, yes, well, I grew up in a Christian home, as um, most of you know, and, and uh, our, our dad, my Pastor Bruce and, and myself and my sister, of course, who comes here too, um, just loved the Lord and showed that in his everyday um, living, his very existence, and that passed on to us as well. And, um, he was just a great influence. He, he prayed for us and with us and uh, took us to church, didn't just send us. He was there with us, and his influence on my life and our lives as kids uh, was just a wonderful um, uh, experience of faith, both in the good times and in the hard times, too. And that really was um, something that I learned and passed on into my own life as, we, as I grew up as well. Yeah. Um, oh, and some examples of that. Yeah, there's a um, positive. There's a positive yeah, moment. And yes, and um, some of the positive side. My dad, of course, was very active in the church. He sang solos uh, a lot, so where we got our musical um, abilities from, as well as my mom. But um, he used to sing in the choir, and he also did chalk art, and he would just draw right during services and give the drawing to someone in church as well. And just He just expressed himself uh, in, in, the, in the church on a regular basis as well. When Sherry and I were going together, I wanted to ask her to marry me. Um, and so before I even did that, I wanted to talk to my dad about it. And so I met with him and my mom, and we shared about uh, Sherry and all of what was going on there. And so at the, at the end of that evening, he called me into his bedroom, and we knelt at his bed, and he you know, just anointed me and dedicated this, this the rest of my life um, um, in the marriage situation uh, to the Lord. And so he was just that kind of a person in his faith on a regular basis in the good times. Then on the other as well, um, the, the, the continuity was there. When he was battling cancer and not able to sleep well at night, he made an acrostic of the entire alphabet, A to Z, on all the attributes of God and some verses that followed it. And he would quote these verses um, at night when he was not able to sleep. And so his faith held him there too. Um, the last time I ever saw my dad before he passed was in the hospital. My mom and I were there and he, we were getting ready to leave and he said, Brian, would you fill my glass of water? 
And so um, I was going to do that. And as I picked up the glass to leave, he started singing that song, Fill My Cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. So even in his last days, that faith was so strong. And that's something that we've taken with us our whole lives. Pastor Ryan, um, I've had a chance of meeting your dad. And uh, tell us a little bit about his spiritual impact in your life and your family. Present and active in my life, uh, even even to the point he, uh, when I was a little kid, he gave up his dream job and went into a completely new field just to because he felt like he couldn't spend enough time with us. And uh, so we, a lot of a lot of what I remember as a kid is just that quality time and the way, like a lot of the values that I have, um, a value for wisdom, a value for worship and for integrity and character, a lot of those things came from my dad and just those little life lessons that he would teach me along the way, but that he modeled probably more than anything. Um, you have an illustration or something specific kind of stands out? Yeah, I, I think my dad, like one thing that I really appreciate that I think he taught me is how to disciple others. And he did that... Um, He did that with me in a lot of unique ways, but I think the the one that really stands out is a lot of times, like if I'm experiencing something and, you know, whether I've done something wrong or, you know, I, I, maybe I broke the rules or maybe it was inadvertent, like I never really experienced that moment right there out in front of people. Like my dad had a, a way of like taking me back and we'd always go to his office and we'd talk and I'd sit there or some other place and we'd just talk about it. He would share and like break things down. Uh, this is why. And he would tell me like how God feels about it. You know, it's just a very honest, natural conversation. And what that's done for me is just one, it, I trust my dad you know, to, to give me wisdom and to speak into my life even to this day. Um, but it's also helped me interact with others, you know, yeah, people younger good. than me that I want to feed into. You know, you and I talked in, um, uh, in our conversations about worship services, I noticed a trend early on with you <laughs> that you really love to focus on Jesus Christ and you love to lift up his name. And that, um, that's not to be, of course, we're in a church, you would think that. But I meant, you know, like that, that is something that's really important to you. And I remember you coming back later and saying, uh, you know, that makes perfect sense because my dad made such a big deal of lifting high the name of Jesus. And I, I realized why that's so important to me. So it kind of hits you in your worship as well. Yeah. He wanted it to be comfortable in our house to say Jesus. Yeah. Like actually talk about Jesus. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Pastor Dan, um, I know your dad, and I've uh, had a chance of meeting with him a number of times, but maybe share with us a little. Yeah, my dad's a pastor, and, uh, and so one of the things that we always heard growing up was to love God and love people. He preached it from the pulpit, but he preached it at home, too. That was the phrase he would say all the time, um, and, and he, he led that by example. He loved the Lord. He still does love the Lord with all his heart. Um, and not a day goes by where I'm at home, he doesn't have his Bible open. Um, I remember him saying all the time, we don't go to church because I'm a pastor. We're going to church because that's what we do as a family. And if I wasn't a pastor, 
we would still be there. Um, and so he just loves the Lord. But the loving the people is something that, I mean, if you know me, I'm a people person. <laughs> and I think really? I picked up oh, just a little no, bit. I didn't notice Just that. a little bit. Uh, and and I, I believe I get a lot of that from my dad and my parents just together. But they did that. Um, the biggest way they showed us of that was um, helping people in need at any time. And especially teenagers. And especially teenagers who maybe their home life wasn't at a place where it was great. And we would take in people all the time. And I remember by the time I graduated high school, there was at least five people who had lived in our house for more than three months, sometimes at a year at a time, that they would take in and say, hey, your family now. You, you need a place, we'll be your family. Uh, even after I graduated, there's been another uh, probably half a dozen people who have lived at my parents' house. Um, some of them, one I know is up to like three years. I just need a place to stay. Um, and even currently, my parents are about 65 years old right now, and there's a teenage gal who needed a home and that she's living at my parents' house because they said, hey, when you walk into the Hammer household, we're going to love you like your family. No matter what family you come from, you're going to be part of ours. And, you know, I will just tell you that I didn't know this story until this weekend. But that makes so much sense because you guys have done the same thing. And I, yeah. I remember, I'm like, man, you've taken in some young people, and they've been there with you. And I'm like, oh, man, I can't believe they're doing this. That's a, that's a, but that makes perfect sense. Yeah. That is modeled for you. I, uh, a few years ago... I, uh, I did a message, it's probably been a lot of years now that I think about it, but I talked about that, um, that gentleman, when you were born, God gave you a sword. And when you became a, a husband, you've got a sword. And when you become a father, you have a sword. And when you see a sword, I was thinking about this last evening, is that, you know, this it strikes you as you think of, uh, what does it make you think of? Well, I mean, a mighty champion, right? A warrior. That kind of makes you think of that. Or uh, the other one that I thought of, it makes me feel like a knight, right? A defender. And the thing about swords is that swords um, can have a, a protecting influence, make people feel safe, but it can also have a wounding influence. I was uh, actually talking to a young Father, a guy that I, I love deeply um, and uh, tried to mentor, and he had called me the other night, and he uh, was talking to me about his children, and he said, I'm going to ask you a father question, okay? And he said, um, you know, when's the right time to talk to my children about, about um, you know, weapons and safety and hunting and all that kind of stuff and then how do you do that and so we just talked it over and, and kind of how we did it with our kids and, and then he said um, well he said you know my first thing he says my dad when I was a little guy gave me a knife and he said so I actually gave my son a knife and I gave him a pocket knife and I explained to him you have to be very careful because when you open up the knife you know you can use it for really good things but it can also cut you and he said the first thing first First thing he did when I opened the blade, and I said, now be careful, it's sharp, is he took his thumb and he went on the blade and he cut his thumb. He said, now it wasn't catastrophe, he didn't need stitches, but he said, he said, but I put a little band-aid on it, and I said, now be careful because you have to understand that this can hurt. He says, you know what's crazy, Pastor Phil? He said, first thing I did when my dad gave me that knife, I did the exact same thing. And it just reminded me that guys, um, if you can remember this old movie, right? Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> you got to be careful because whether you like it or not, you've got a sword in your hand. And when you use words that cut, it really wounds and destroys. 
And when you use a sword properly that God intends, it defends and champions your family. And guys, if I could, I, I just, man, this verse so impacted me because when I read it, and I, again, I've never, I've never preached it before, but it struck me that it's as if God is making a promise. And he said that as we enter those troublesome days that lead to the day of the Lord, you don't have to be afraid, but I am going to do an incredible spiritual work. And guys, if you will pick up the mantle, I'm going to bless the nation because of you. And if you won't pick up the mantle, I can't. And it's as if he said, I'm going to do a spiritual work that is going to begin in the family. And so, dads, could it be that we would be the agent of revival at Colonial Woods? I'll be honest with you, and I, ladies, I respect you so much. Moms, and especially those of you, moms or dads, who do double duty because you're kind of on both sides of this thing. I respect you so much, but can I just tell you, you have picked up the spiritual mantle for so long in the church. Could it be that as men begin to embrace what God has called them to do, that it could have a revival impact at Colonial Woods, and that that might actually impact our Blue Water area, and that it might actually begin to spread into our region, and actually be so impactful that it would impact our state, that might actually have an impact on all the states of the United States to bring about this incredible turning toward the Lord. So guys, I want to have you do something for me. I don't care if you're a dad or not, but dads, I want you to stand. Grandpas, I want you to stand. Um, if you're a, an uncle or anything like that, I want you to stand. If you're say, man, I'm only like eight years old. I'm a, I want you to stand. I want the dads in training to stand. I don't care if you're a teenager. I want every man in this house. If you're, four, oh, how old are you, five, five, six years old? Go ahead and stand up, buddy. I'm going to pray over you. And I want to pray over you today what Paul prayed over the church. But I'm going to be praying this for you as you become sword bearers into our world. Last service, Pastor Bob was up here. <coughs> and Bob's a great dad, but I got to tell you, he has been a heavenly father figure to so many young men who have not had that image in their family. It struck me as we're doing it. And so you're saying, I've, I've never been a dad. You know what? Become the sword bearer for someone who maybe doesn't have that. Let's pray, guys. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being so that Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure 
of the fullness of God. Father, as we stand before you today, it is a very humbling thing. Because as guys, you have asked us to be leaders and influencers. And Lord, today, those that are standing that are dads, it is very humbling because for those who've been doing this for a while, we realize how far short we fall. But I pray that today that your mantle would fall upon these men. And that, Father, that you would just give them encouragement and challenge and to pick up the mantle that you've called for them. Lord, I pray that you would turn their hearts toward their families. And and if there be some old wounds that need to be set aside, I pray for a spirit of healing that would lay that aside, that they once again would give attention into their homes. Lord, I pray where there's perhaps been wounds that have separated family, I pray, Father, those wounds would be set down and that once again you might reestablish relationship. There are some that are here this morning that feel a tad of regret. Lord, we gotta set the regret down and we go from this day forward. Give us courage to embark and to engage in people's lives. I pray for the young men that are standing today and they don't have any children yet, but yet someday you might bless them. I pray that they would remember the day pastor said, pick up the sword. I pray that as they began to embark, maybe aren't even dating yet, but that they would treat women with respect and love and cherish and be a Jesus figure into their lives. I pray, Father, that there would be something, an impartation of your spirit that would be the generation of changers in the family. We are desperate in these days, oh God, for for dads to be dads, to turn our hearts toward the homes. And so, Lord, I just pray, and I am so proud of those guys that are standing here. I am so proud of them. And so, Father, I pray for encouragement. I I pray you'd bring that person into our life that we can pour into. And, Lord, for the ones that are doing double duty, moms or dads, I, I pray that, Lord, you would give them favor and courage and strength for the day. We love you, Lord. I'm praying that there would be a great turning, a spiritual revival, through the turning of dads toward children and children toward their dads. Thank you, Father. We love you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living.